Well, we're in our last uh, lesson here on biblical manhood and womanhood, and we've we've um, we've looked at a lot of the um, um, what efforts to undermine biblical manhood and women, particularly in terms of their roles. But um, this lesson touches on a number of perversions of God's design. And in fact, um, um, it really only covers ones that have at least some direct statements from scripture about. But uh, these days, there are all sorts of other things that, that um, uh, scripture doesn't specifically address, but I want to touch on those as well. So um, I'll just kind of give an overview of the things that are here. So obviously one perversion of God's design is, and fairly common, unfortunately, is abuse of women in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, um, we see in Ephesians 5, God's design is that husbands particularly would um, uh, care for, nurture their wives. And he uses the example of the relationship of Christ and the church. You know, we looked at that. Uh, earlier um, and so instead of um, abusing women God had designed that men would be uh, protecting and nurturing and so on sometimes women are abused not so much physically but uh, verbally and uh, put down and, and that sort of thing and Lots of scriptures just speak to all of us generally that that's, you know, that's not a good way to treat other people. But First um, Peter 3 particularly says, you husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone who is weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Uh, we talked about that one already as well. Uh, rape, you see examples in scripture, you see laws here um, against it in the Old Testament law. Um, obviously very much uh, an example of perversions that uh, God uh, detests, right? And uh, yeah, in, in the Old Testament law, the the um, the uh, consequence was death. Right? So God took a a very strong view of that. Uh, I'm on page 66 as well. Uh, pornography abuses women, victimizes women, as well as the men and boys who consume it. Um, it's just a bad thing all around. And yet scripture makes it very clear that um, our minds and our, our eyes, what we look at, need to be uh, pure and not 
corrupted by uh, sins of the flesh or anything else. Okay, so those are just a few examples of abuses of women that Scripture speaks to. It's also possible for the other way around for women to cause men to stumble. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, the man who's violating women against their will. Sometimes it's women who actually entice men into sin. And so uh, there are a number of passages here from Scripture that um, make it clear that uh, at the very least men are, and boys, whoever, are to avoid women like that. Don't let them uh, tempt you. And then just other passages dealing with uh, uh, sexual temptations and uh, enticements and uh, just a, a um, very clear, very um, you know, this is not new stuff, right? This has been around since the beginning. And there's just this perversion against God, God's created order that um, is not for anyone's benefit. They think they're doing something to get pleasure out of it, but what does it bring? Heartache, mm-hmm. right? At the very least, usually a lot worse. Um, verbal abuse, both men and women can, of course, be... Um, uh, abusing their spouses verbally. Um, some of the imagery in, in Proverbs is you know, a constant dripping, right? Um, it's an example of that. Okay, so on page 68, um, obviously perversions against God's design for marriage, um, and so adultery, I mean, that made it specifically into the Ten Commandments, right? right? Um, to not commit adultery. What is adultery? It's, it's uh, the breaking of a, a marriage vow to, uh, to pursue someone who's not your spouse. But there's also this category of um, uh, fornication, which is basically the same thing, but up among those who aren't even married, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's going against God's design for um, marriage, and that uh, you know any any um, Sexual activity, even thoughts outside of marriage, is a violation of God's design. And because it's a violation of God's design, it consumes and destroys those who do it. 
and yet they do it. Well, the actual kind of the wedding and official start of a marriage, uh, um, a lot of that over time has just been culturally um, dictated. And so um, there's no prescribed method in scripture for that to happen. But the principles are that it should be uh, before God and before and publicly before uh, witnesses that these two are are now being joined together permanently in holy matrimony, right? Uh, and so um, I'm not sure how it developed in ancient Israel, what the origins were, but um, you see evidence, even dating back to the time of Abraham, that uh, the parents, typically the father, would... Uh, find a spouse mm-hmm. for his sons, particularly. There doesn't seem to be, at that stage with Abraham, there doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence of what the ceremony or process was. It was the bigger concern was finding the right spouse. And that, that decision was up to the parents more so than than the, the son. Um, Eventually, uh, Jewish culture, uh, as I understand it, um, certainly by the time of Christ, had a fairly, fairly common um, method where, where the whole, in fact, even, even by the time of, of Jacob, um, and you know his his father-in-law kind of tricked him a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. but um, there was a one-week period of um, uh, celebration and uh, honeymoon, whatever. Uh, but it was certainly by the time of Christ. My understanding is that there was a fairly standard cultural procedure. That included a whole week of, of celebration, and and um, and we know even uh, in terms of um, Mary and Joseph that there was a very uh, specific betrothal period. You know, we would call it engagement, but for them, it was they're as good as married, mm-hmm. even though um, they're not yet officially married, and so there is some period of time, I don't know if it was prescribed, but um, uh, they were spoken for, <laughs> they were um, identified as, as uh, betrothed, um, and then eventually the, the, the marriage with the ceremony and the whole week's worth of celebration, whatever, would take place. Um, so there are various cultural things that developed over time. It's not really like there's any one right way to do it and so on. But uh, the principle of, of one man, one woman for life, um, committing to that before God and fellow man. Can I ask a 
something. I always wondered this. Um, so before Moses was given the Ten Commandments, I know there was fornication going on and adultery. Were people stoned before that, or did that come into effect after the fact? I don't know that we know. Okay. I don't think we know from Scripture. I don't think we see any examples in Scripture. So it was after. Um, I th- it's clear that those kind of Obviously it was things are in the law. Yeah. Whether that any of that occurred beforehand, I don't know. Okay, because I'm thinking if it didn't happen before, I mean, it's still mind-boggling to me because even then, people were fornicating and committing adultery, even though you had this looming, you know, conv- you know, kind of like this is the law; you will be stoned. Why take that chance? Imagine that now in our society. You know, it, it's like and nothing stops you. Yeah. Evil is evil. Yeah. So. Well. You know, initially, um, whether they had a law or not, um, God designed each individual with a conscience to know that there is right and wrong and that they're accountable to their creator. Uh, Some chose to suppress that conscience uh, harden that conscience, but um, and I guess there were some laws established before, like the Mosaic Covenant, right? Like, for example, oh yeah, when was it Cain and Abel? Like that. There's like something in there about like, okay, because man's blood was shed, you know, then that person should die. So it seemed like from very early on, not just like a stoning type thing, but there was some justice. Penalty. Well, yeah. I was going to say, well, what what was that penalty? Why did it change from that to stoning? That's well, stoning just seems like a method for a death penalty. So mm-hmm. I don't, but I guess like in Cain and Abel, I don't know, do we see what, how, how the death penalty is supposed to be enforced? I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's no, I'm not aware that in Genesis 4, when God tells, when he basically states that um, Cain has this, this judgment placed against him, right? That, um, mm-hmm. Um, actually, he didn't die, I guess, right? No. He was saying, like, yeah, like, people might kill me, and God's like, no, you know, yeah. I'm going to make sure no one kills you. Yeah, so it, it may have been God's providence and his mm-hmm. um, just carrying that out. But, yeah, it's also clear that by the time you get to Noah, everybody was just so wicked. Yeah. Pretty much everybody, right? It was just so pervasive mm-hmm. um, that... If there had been, well, theologians um, typically say that the instruction given to Noah after the flood, Genesis 9, to um, execute or to implement um, capital punishment for murder that that's the first clear evidence that God has, was laying down a system of justice and law, um, that if there had been anything like that beforehand, it wasn't clear in Scripture, and it seems like it wasn't being carried out. Um, but now, with Noah and starting from scratch, uh, there would be this change, that there would be civil authority to... Um, to execute those who murder. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we have a whole lot of specifics about how things were organized uh, prior to the Law of Moses, but um, it's clear that there were customs in various cultures and and so on, Mm -hmm. and things were... um, the, a certain amount of, of positive peer pressure to do things that were right and moral. Uh, not that that was always the case, but people understood that it was wrong to kill people, right? And those kind of things. Um, what comes out of the uh, situation is they not <clears throat> following God's law or the principles that God had laid down. There's the repercussions that come out of it. For sure. For, for example, with Abraham, I mean, he loved his son. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, Hagar had to go. Yeah. You know, so like, uh, it's a, it was a problem with him having, he, you know, he was, you could actually call that adultery there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the problem was that he ended up having uh, two women, two wives. And that was a burden on him. Yeah. And it's it's partly that there were two wives, uh, Hagar and and Sarah, Mm -hmm. but partly and maybe mostly uh, where his heart was in all that. Was he trusting Mm -hmm. God or trying to help God out by coming up with a solution? Um, And so that was clearly a... A, uh, a failure of faith on Abraham, who is generally, as you read through um, Genesis, Abraham's a great example of faith, right? But it wasn't perfect. It was crazy about it with Sarah's idea. Right. Yeah, but, you know, that there, there you go. Going along with, with her, right? Uh, he can look back at Adam and say, yeah. <laughs> and he, he didn't hesitate. Like, he didn't argue with her. He Correct. was just like, okay. Yeah. Wow. Right. Do it. Anyway, anyway. What's that? I said it might not have been written in the Bible that he argued against Sarah. It might have. Say, are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. But this is this Maybe he's sinful, and his wife is saying, go have sex with this other woman. Maybe him being like, you know, with lust and stuff, mm-hmm. he's probably like, okay, right. sure. Well, maybe well, she thought that he was, he was infertile instead of her, uh, you know. Uh, so he he, him, you know. Yeah, but <clears throat> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, that that custom was already around. Mm, yeah. And they were just doing the worldly thing, thinking that they're doing God a favor, um, or at least maybe rationalizing it that way. Yeah. God promised me a son. Okay, I'll do what I need to, to get a son. Um, but not out of faith. It was more of a worldly... No, he didn't actually say Sarah until after Ishmael was born. Yeah, when it really comes down to it, though, it was, I'm, I'm going to... Abraham's essentially saying by his actions, whether he had this in his heart or not, I don't know, but he's basically saying by his actions, I'll take matters into my own hands because God seems to be delaying things. Or, or um, he kind of read into what God had promised and um, rather than wait on God to bring it about, he had to give God a hand. Lesson to us, yeah, right. 
God doesn't need us to give him a hand. He needs us to obey him, right? But um, particularly when God promises something, we need to take him as word. And generally, Abraham did that. He's a great example of, of, of faith and obedience, and yet, even with him. I mean, look at him. Um, he finally learned, right, by the time you get to Genesis 22, when God tells him to sacrifice his son, I would have pushed back on that. You've got to be kidding. Am I hearing you correctly? Right? But there's no evidence he complained or whatever. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham believed that God was able to raise this son from the dead because God had promised that the promise was through that son, specifically by that point. So he was learning in his, in his journey of faith. And it's easy for us to sit and sit back and think of all these different things, but when we're in the same situation, yeah. Yeah. we do exactly the same thing. We, we tend to take matters into our own hands when we should be trusting God and just obeying what he has told us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor, I asked the question because I have a couple of friends that are Jewish, and they, um, they try to excuse their uh, cohabiting without getting married because of the, the Old Testament that they use. Particularly with with we have mentioned here with Abraham taking another wife and all that, but it wasn't really a, a marriage um, official ceremony kind of thing. So that's why I was asking that in particular. How how can I witness that to them that say that well, although that was in the past, this is what we do now, or kind of like yeah. Give them an idea. Well, Oh yeah, there are definitely weddings. There are definitely formal uh, starts to the marriage. In fact, God performed the very first one. Yeah, and you see that with um, uh, Jacob. He's got two wives that his father-in-law gave him. But each of them has a handmaid, and, and, and the, the customs, the cultural thing was it's pretty common that uh, the, the servant could be used to produce more children. Yeah, well, not, see. For not getting married and just cohabitate, they say, well, they did it. Why we should get married? Well, like, I really don't know what to come with because what I say is that the law has changed and the situations were different back then. That's all that I thought. But no, the, 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 thing, the thing to take them to is what Jesus, um, how Jesus responded in Matthew 19 when, when um, um, some of the Pharisees came up and said, um, and, and their, their perspective was um, man, because of the law, a man could divorce his wife for any reason whatsoever. Just give her a certificate of divorce, and it's, it's done. And they were using the law to, to come to that conclusion. And so they're asking Jesus about that. And he said, um, Moses permitted you. He didn't command it. He permitted you because of the hardness of your hearts. Uh, and he did go into what the conditions were. They usually didn't pay any attention to what the conditions were. But... Um, but he said, it's not been that way from, since the beginning, right? Because God made them um, male and female and um, 
what God has joined together, let no man separate. Um, and so the thing to do is to take them back to God's original created order. And then the question becomes, well, why, why doesn't God have a stronger uh, condemnation of uh, polygamy and of these customs of taking a servant and, and like a concubine and all this? Why doesn't God say anything more um, specific and strong against that? And I'm convinced the reason is those examples are there as a warning to us. Look at every single one of those circumstances, and you see how they're turning out? Mm-hmm. That's a warning to you. Mm-hmm. Um, God has spoken in his word that that leads to no good whatsoever. And so Jesus took them back to God's original design. That is what we should pursue. Not to use those perversions of the past as an excuse for perversions today. Yeah. Which, which, which gives my friends more power, you know, because you see, that happens. So I guess your friend is looking at it saying, look, this man who's high in the Bible is having sex with those who's not his wife. Since he's doing it, why can't I do it? That's their argument. Yeah. That's and that surprised me because they're Jews. And, and as far yes. as I know, they respect that part of the Bible, you know? But they use that as a, as a well, if they did But just because, but by that same logic, then they could say, look, Abraham did anything, or anyone did anything in the Bible, like Cain killed Abel, therefore I can go kill my friend. It's the same logic. Or Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Mm-hmm. How you can tell the difference between them, I don't know, when you get 700 and 300. Yeah. <laughs> but just like God warned him, they turned his heart away right. from serving the Lord. It's there for us as a warning. Um don't do that. So, anyway. Um, so I guess to talk to your friend, it seems like the answer is more just like, like there's a lot of stuff in the Bible saying like, okay, like marriage is like between a man and a woman, don't defile the marriage bed, like repeatedly over and over, like a lot of things upholding this standard, you know, so even just because this one person did one thing, it doesn't mean like it cancels out all the other stuff. So I guess like a lot of the scripture that's in here, a lot of stuff in here is probably what you give to your friend. So what they're doing is they look at the highest order and say, well, Abraham, who they look highly of, did it. And they probably prefer not to use the New Testament, which is a lot clearer. Right. 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 On these issues. They don't accept that New Testament. Right. In the Old Testament, God tells Abraham uh, to listen to Sarah and let Hagar and Ishmael leave. Like, if he acknowledged Hagar's wife, he would, have, he would have said, keep her. Yeah, if he acknowledged he got his yeah. wife. He, he even, I think that's even kind of like an evidence that he he did not approve of that. But he still was going to have, you know, grace and mercy to Ishmael, but he didn't acknowledge her. Like, he didn't approve of what happened. I just want to say that he was not approved by God, and there was a mistake of humans, you know, again, committing 
And sure. that God didn't command them to, hey, go and find this woman and have a child with her. Right. So that's, I think that's the best way to, to go back and tell them. Well, yeah. that's definitely good to point out. And definitely, yeah. because even the, the institution of marriage, like you say, was appointed by God, performing the first marriage between a man and a woman, which as a result is why we as believers then feel that a man and a man well, that's not the only reason. In fact, that's our next. That's a good segue to our next section here. Yeah. Homosexual but conduct. Back to the, the original. Yes. What is the original design? The original it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? Yeah. Um, the problem. One of the problems with you know, uh, homosexual conduct has been around a long, long time long before the New Testament. Mm -hmm. uh, these laws that I've written here from uh, excerpts from the Old Testament um, particularly show that. Uh, but one of the, the, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but these days there's a word for that, which, um, uh, you know, homosexual or homosexuals or homosexuality those are words that don't, don't show up in the original languages of the Old Testament or the New Testament. Those words are put in there for, and I've got some notes here on, on page 68. Um, that, nobody had those words before, you know, in those times. But they had, they described it. And so uh, the word in the New Testament are sino Coites um, is derived from the word for male and the word for bed. And so it, it has the idea of males being in bed together. That's what the, the Greek term uh, actually means, literally. Um, and you see in uh, Levit Leviticus, for example, on page 69... Uh, usually it's a description. You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination, God says. Le uh, Leviticus 20, 13, if there is a man who lies with a male as those who lies with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act. They should surely be put to death. So it's described. And when you get to um, the account of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis it's described, the, the lustful behavior of men with men, um, even though the term um, isn't there, because there wasn't a term mm -hmm. for it. Um, so sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't condemn homosexuality, even though there's some translations that use that term nowadays for this Greek word and the the, um, the the concept that we see in the Old Testament law. Um, Romans 1, for example, it's very clear when it says men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. There's... Yeah, there are consequences of that, right? Both physical and and uh, uh, in the heart. 
So it's described, and it's very clear that God condemns it, and so it doesn't matter. I mean, the word Trinity is not in the original Greek or the Hebrew, right? It's a, it's a term, it's a new term to describe the concept, the, 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 the meaning, the truth that is clear in Scripture. Um, so don't get hung up on whether the word is in the original or not. Uh, the concept is very clear, right? An abomination, yeah, yeah. And you see what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, the, before the term homosexuals either was coined or became popular, typically those people were refer, referred to as sodomites, mm-hmm. and everybody knew exactly what that meant, right? question about the so part 28 when it says um, God gave them over to depraved minds and uh, to do things which are not proper so I, I, I think I brought this up either in this class or another small group class about some of my gay friends that um, even though I mean I don't witness to them but I share scripture and so forth and some of them come from a, a, a very strict Christian upbringing my question to you is are they lost or I can continue to pray for them and and when I get the opportunity witness to them. I mean, do they still have hope is what I'm saying because their minds have been kind of given to them. Yes. Uh, look at the bottom of page 68. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers. That's a long list, right? None of those will inherit the kingdom of God, but such were some of you, past tense. There's such hope in that. So there's hope. Yeah. It says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. God can and does at times intervene. I mean, it seems so hopeless nowadays. It just seems so... Right. Lost. Okay. I'm sure looking at Saul, no one thought that he would be who he ended up being. I mean, we don't know. Which is kind of... The Saul of Tarsus, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saul of Tarsus, thank you. Um, when we're told not to cast our pearls before swine, that's a tough one, mm-hmm. because who do we really know is really the swine who yeah. won't receive. We, we just don't know who God is going to call. Yeah. I think if someone just wants to fight and they don't want to listen, mm-hmm. maybe that. If someone wants to, if they're actually open, and that would be probably not in that swine category. Well, I mean, there was a time when people used to try to witness to me, and I was having none of it. Yeah. I could have been considered that swine at one time. So, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe in that moment, you just kind of leave it alone, but... I, I don't think we should ever give up on any of okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, keep praying. Okay. Actually, I have a quick question really quick. Yeah. You said back in the old, before like, the word homosexual was like a thing, people would call them, you'd say sodomites or something. I, I don't, like, what does that mean and how does that apply to that? Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? What is, does it, doesn't that mean something else? Like, is that like sex with animals or something? Or? No. 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 Sodomite is, is someone who behaved like the people of Sodom and God judged them yeah. with. Hellfire and brimstone. And I guess sodomite was easier to say than Gomorrahite. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, that, that reminds me, and I've, I've uh, on 
68, I've referred to it as homosexual conduct. Mm -hmm. uh, they prefer to make it a noun uh, as their identity, right. homosexual. And really, the identity is the behavior. Right. It's homosexual conduct and activity, not a homosexual person, because that person wasn't created for that activity. Um, so it was the choice in the beginning? Yeah. It, it was their choice. Mm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I kind of noticed um, from the culture I come from and many other uh, cultures in Africa, we, there, there's no descriptive uh, name for that thing. Mm. It's just classified as abomination. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I saw a, uh, it was a YouTube where, where uh, not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, a YouTube where he had an American reporter, I can't remember her name, but she was trying to, she was interviewing the, the president of Kenya about, uh, you know, accepting the homosexual lifestyle. He said, there's no room for that. What? You know? There's no room for that. And she says, well, they're treating, being treated right. He said, we treat all our people the same. And that, and that's the premise that they go on. Right. And the thing is about uh, the, the African nations being colonialized like they were, they don't want anybody else coming in and telling them what to do. Yeah, that, 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 that uh, their history shows that the, that tends to not go well. Yeah, <laughs> they seek asylum here yeah. because we accept it. Right. There was a report. Yeah, they seek asylum here in America because their their country is, is just not accepted. So yeah. they seek asylum here. I put these notes together some years ago. I've done this a number of times, mm -hmm. and back when I first did it, gender confusion wasn't really right. an issue. Mm -hmm. You know, as you look through scripture. Uh, you, you don't see any evidence that people had any confusion about who was male and who was female. That is, you know, homosexuality, homosexual conduct, that's something that's, that's been around for a long, long time. Uh, but this gender confusion is very recent. And yet you, you look at God's word and it's clear that that... Uh, he created male and female to be different. Mm -hmm. And as we've said all along, um, completely equal on the things that really matter in terms of relationship with God and, and um, bearing the, the image of God and, and all that. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, different. Different physically for God's reasons, which for the most part make a lot of sense, um, but also different roles that he had to explain, and uh, he has in scripture. Um, and so gender is something that's just very foundational to God's design. And our culture, as we uh, throw that out the window, and say it's whatever you want it to be. It's like morality is whatever you want it to be, right? It's confusion. It's confusion for sure. It's not only, it's worse than confusion. It's, I think there's a lot of deliberate um, malice and deceit. It's, a lot of it's intentional. The definition yeah. I've seen recently for gender was um, the way that you carry yourself and the clothes that you wear. 
that was their wow. definition of gender. And that was from one of the bulletin board, one of the pictures that yeah. Pastor Doyle's wife sent me of the, wow. the resource board at the um, elementary school. I took a deeper dive. I think I was looking up what um, national pronoun that he was. I was looking that up. And that's how I came across that definition of um, gender. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting is in a day and age, in a place where people almost worship science, this flies in the face of everything that's just very easy to see scientifically, that there's, there are differences between male and female. And um, medical procedures aren't going to alter that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so, what does that what does that tell us? If people go to all these lengths to do something to change something that can't be changed, why are they doing that? And they're doing it knowing they've got to know deep down that they're not changing. Well, God made me this way. No, no, He didn't. Um, why are they doing that? Because they're hardened. Right? They're rebelling against God because if this isn't true, if I can't dictate my own sense of morality and identity, then I must be accountable to my creator and they don't want that. It's just like believing evolution. It flies in the face of so much science and yet people are bound to believe it because what's the alternative for them? They're created by a creator to whom they're accountable. That doesn't sound like fun. So I'll believe anything else. And if we say it long enough, enough people will believe it. And you push it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. interesting scenario because I never experienced that and um, I was just like well I'm a believer I'm a Christian um, I I don't I think that homosexuality it's it's a sin and um, like I'm really condensing the story because it was a lot and he just started crying yeah he just he just started crying like first he was kind of going on and on about like kind of how he thought like Balls and everything needed to be more inclusive, and this and the third, and like even called his boyfriend, and like his boyfriend came from a Christian background, and like uh, just asking him different questions about things. And I just kind of like I think once he saw that like oh I was annoying and affirming, and um, at the same time I wasn't like condemning him or you know being hateful. I just was like this is this is not. Um, it's still a sinful lifestyle. He just he just started crying, and one of my regrets is I didn't stick around long enough because like I was running late for the bus right when that happened, um, and I just kind of 
Steve was like, kind of like, let's exchange numbers. And um, I mean, I texted him, but he never like replied or anything. But I, I didn't explain or gave him the full gospel. I just gave him a part of it, which was like, you know, this is the sin, and you know, we're all born and conceived in sin, but it's it's sin, and God does not approve of it. Like, it's not um, acceptable. Like. Because if you also think it's right, then my conscience is clear. Well, it's not clear. It's hardened. (laughs) And I think many of them are feeling there is an afterlife, and I'm not going to verbally say this, but where am I going to go? If these Christians are saying I'm going to hell or whatever, then... I need to feel okay that I will go to a better place. Yeah, implicit in all this is the assumption that society has and people like this have mm-hmm. is that morality is determined democratically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If enough people believe it's right, it must be right, mm-hmm. or at least it's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's they so dangerous. They could have said that about slavery. Yeah, well, they did. They did. Yeah. yeah. Um, so un- unless we understand that we're created and we're accountable to our creator and he's the definition of what is right and wrong then we're going to be off in our own yeah. self-destructive yeah. track inevitably and sometimes he uses those consequences those natural consequences to wake people up but often it just gets them deeper and deeper into their sin. The day they dealt with this uh, homosexual and gender thing was they have uh, organized it as their uh, uh, their agenda. And what I hate about their agenda is the fact that they try to emphasize their plight with everything else that's going on. Just like in the news recently, they were talking about in Qatar how uh, the, the people weren't being treated right who built, you know, for the Olympics and all. And then they included the gay rights thing there also. Yeah, we, that's, anyway, um, that's one of the reasons I asked uh, that we all be praying for those around us, our culture, uh, because there's just so much deceit and uh, blindness going on mm-hmm. that um, you know, maybe the bright side is the darker it gets out there, the brighter our light oh, can yeah. shine. Oh, yeah. If we let it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So let's pray that that's the case. Let's close in prayer.